Warning, what you're about to hear may contain mature language, adult situations, and depictions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Yeah. I think we're okay. I don't think yeah. it's been that long. No. Well, hello, everybody. Here we are. It's been a while, but we're back. It's me, Elliot, joined always by Keith. Keith, how you doing? I'm doing great. It feels good to be back. This is the Trash Heap Podcast, the show where we watch movies and then talk about movies. What Keith? What is it? I don't. No, we're out to what we're out to prove is. once and for all there are no garbage movies, only garbage opinions, and uh, we're giving these discarded gems a second chance. Yeah, they, they're not took... necessarily movies that have been thrown in the trash. Sometimes they're even uh, wildly successful blockbusters. But we're we're given just about every movie that's ever existed a second look. Because second look, I've always been a staunch defender of the double take. I think the yeah. du- the double take is a highly valuable skill and tool in navigating our you know complicated modern civilization. Absolutely, we took a little break. Yeah, sabbatical, if you will. You know, there was these things there. There's these holidays. There was New Year's. I just got um, tired of editing shows. My wrist got real tired, and so I decided yeah. to give it a rest so I didn't develop carpal tunnel. And then that's a great idea. Also, having to having to try and schedule episodes that tie into these idiotic holidays is exhausting. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I would have much rather. I'd much prefer to spend that time chiseling my car out of a block of ice and briefly playing in the snow and just kind of uh, you know laying around wearing thick socks. Yeah, it's real nice. Well, in that time, in that time downtime, did you uh, not obviously what the subject matter of today's show is? But have you, did you see anything that you were like, oh, that was fun, or I, I want to give a shout-out to this, or maybe something that you saw that was terrible and you want to tell people to stay away? I watched quite a few movies. Mm. One of them being... <laughs> I'm looking at this list. I have a diary on uh, Letterboxd. I don't know yeah. if you know about the Letterboxd application. I'm familiar I mostly with it. I mostly just use it to keep track of what I've watched because it's easy to forget. There's a lot of uh, yeah. for very forgettable movies. I will tell you, I, and I don't know if I already talked about this, but I watched Jet Li's The One several times in the last two months. I I mean I know this is a movie that you like periodically bring up as being some sort of masterpiece. But I was not aware that you've watched it on repeat recently. Well, it just happened to... I watched it on purpose once, and then it just started playing. Like, it would be on uh, live TV or here or there, and I was like, yep, I'm in. I remember when the one came out originally, and I was a Jet Li purist. I was like, Once Upon a Time in China, The Enforcer, like, all these cool sort of seminal Jet Li films yeah. where he's doing like badass wushu and, and other martial arts. And it's just very, very impressive genre work, right? Yes. And then the one comes out and it's got all this CGI nonsense and slow-mo and weird effects and like a sci-fi angle to it. And I was like, wait a second. What are you doing to my Jet Li? Who did this? How dare you? All these years later, with a set of fresh eyes, I am thoroughly entertained by this movie. It's so much fun, and I don't know. And I I can't really point out the specific reasons, but also there's there's a goofy, like, new metal soundtrack, and every time the villain does something, like, villainous, like, these metal riffs kick in, and, like, drowning pool songs. Right. It's so much fun to watch. Like, it's so much fun. And it's well, Jet Li fighting himself. So, yeah, I'm kind of the same way or same perspective, like back then that you had where the American post-Matrix kung fu movies, I wouldn't touch those with a 10-foot pole type of thing when they were, when they were, when they were coming out. Because yeah. uh, it was just like you just said, it's like, what's all this fucking, you know, Matrix ripoffs? Yeah, it just seemed nonsense. like it was riding the wave. Right. And like, yeah, the new metal soundtracks and stuff. And definitely, like, I don't, I enjoy the one now. I actually watched it 
for the first time maybe about a year ago. Uh, I don't have the same love that you have it for too, but it's definitely easier to appreciate as a novelty of time now. And yeah, it is, it is definitely fun. And you know, it's like, there's aspects of it that if I had given it a shot at the time, I probably would have found fun. And there's other aspects I think are only fun in retrospect when you're removed from a particular era. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think too, if you look in context of Jet Li's career, like he would go on to do uh, Unleashed, right? Yeah. Which was sort of, he was praised for the dramatic aspects and the character work. And I think in the one, you get to see glimmers of that, of him just being like a normal guy. Like he's a police officer and he's got a, a, a you know, a partner. There's like a romantic, like meet cute <laughs> angle yeah. to it. Don't, all very dude, the, the very ending of that movie, the like, uh, I'm like, I'm nobody's bitch at part ending where he's up fighting on top of the pyramid. No, no. But, but where, where he's he goes like, to find what? the girl. Yes. It's yeah. He's like, insane. well, my wife was murdered. My wife was murdered in this other universe. I guess I'll just go try and meet her in this one and gonna, pretend like I don't know her. I'm going to go get her in a parallel universe and just like roll with this one. It's like if yeah, the Simpsons he... had stayed in the like the universe where the, uh, you know, the donuts were raining down. Isn't it like she's a veterinarian or something? And he's like, uh, I found a sick dog. Yeah. He literally it's... just brings a, a random dog. <laughs> like in a and random like, dog. Hello, he finds do you want to get married? <laughs> It's amazing. Yeah. Like when she's actually murdered, I think I was actually, I was like genuinely shocked. Yeah. Because it's, and I was just like, oh, so he's going to get with, you know, he's going to get with an alternate version of her. But normally in a situation like that, she would be murdered at like the beginning and he would meet the alternate version of her and she'd be different enough that they, at first they wouldn't get along, but over time, right. Their they love would grow would blo- into it, which is actually right? but- a little bit you know, easier to swallow. I mean, it's more like, I mean, it's, I would say it's equally as contrived, but there's at least character development within it rather than just like, uh, this bitch is close enough, you know? It's as close as we'll get to Jet Li doing, it's like his time cop, right? The, right. The, the Van Damme equivalent. So, yeah. So yeah, there's that. Uh, I'm going to run through a few of these cause I want to mention yeah. these, but I don't want to get into too much, but, uh, I watched uh, Weird, the Al Yankovic story, which was a Roku exclusive. That was a lot of fun. Gave that a big thumbs up. Uh, I laughed a lot during that movie. Uh, Black Christmas 2006. Hmm. Shockingly entertaining and stylish. And also like an interesting uh, backstory and sort of lore behind the filming and production. So I definitely recommend that. The Golden Child. Oh, yeah. Which I haven't seen since I was a kid, and I did not enjoy it. <laughs> it was not, and it wasn't like any sort of like, oh, I'm a different, it was just like not entertaining, and it was yeah. like not very well made either. And I was no. like, I don't remember it being this bad, but that's, uh, I guess, what uh, being a kid is all about. Uh, Meet that's Me in the what? Bathroom, the Garage Rock documentary, uh, I thought that was really good and really interesting. Uh, I haven't heard of that one. VHS 99. Mm-hmm. Uh, I give that like a mild thumbs up. There's like one segment worth watching, but uh, overall, there's much better movies in the series. Adult Swim Yule Log. Oh, yeah. So I want to watch that. Fascinating. Definitely worth a, a watch. Kind of an investment. Glass Onion. I liked it. I was, you know, I was entertained. It was fine. It was fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Oblivion, which is the from Tom 2013. Yeah, to 2013. Uh, Tom Cruise. Overall, I didn't really like it, but I thought there was some some flourishes and some glimmers of of a more interesting movie. It's a good looking movie. Um, yeah, definitely. It has some about, you know, striking that's visuals. A, that's the best places. I can say before it. Yeah. I, it's so hard to watch Tom Cruise movies because he's just that's him. Right. He, he isn't a character. He instantly he takes me out of the movie by just existing. I think the only. Uh, I think yeah, it works in the Mission Impossible movies just because he's been doing that now for so long. But yeah, when he shows up in like the Mummy or something, and you're just like, what? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, that also that movie was also not great. I love the Mission Impossible movies, so like, yeah, uh, those are. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not throwing shade at, at those by any means. Um, but no, yeah, they're top tier action for sure. I, I yeah, I totally understand what you're saying about his persona, and when he tries to dip into something else, now it's just kind of like, huh, what? Uh, Aramintari, um, the blacksmith and the devil. What's that? Wait, are those two different things, or is that like no, it's Aramintari, one movie. colon the blacksmith and the devil? Yeah, 
this is in the the Bosque region of Spain, uh, or or France, I guess, depending on which side uh, you're on. But uh, this is a very interesting movie. There's a there's a mysterious like reclusive blacksmith that lives in the woods, and there's a legend has it that he kidnaps children so he can torture and eat them. Oh, I think I maybe saw a trailer for but this. But that the trailer, uh, yeah, I saw the trailer and was like, "What in God's name is this?" And then I watched. I finally watched it. Just threw it on. I think it was on Netflix, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like great visuals, like hilarious comedy, and then like an absolutely nutso ending. I'm looking at the screenshots from it now, and it looks more entertaining. Look, the screenshots are better than the trailer was. Yeah. Like, yeah, the trailer was kind of like, like kind of slapped together. Fun performances, like a real kind of sleeper. Like I, I delighted at at watching it. Okay, maybe I'll have to give this one a shot. Yeah, and then I caught uh, caught the old uh, troll, that new troll movie. Yeah, what did uh, you think? I don't yeah, know. It, I wasn't a big fan. It seemed like it had a lot of promise, and then it just kind mm-hmm. of like. There's a couple of cool visuals, like the driving around uh, in the pickup with the giant troll skull in the back of it. Yeah, that was cool. But just I, like it was like a handful of moments, but overall the movie just didn't really. It also was just like had no cohesiveness in terms of like what was, what was the what was the plot or point or like, you know, there's just they keep the main char- the main characters like keep going back and forth about like. This troll is just a poor troll, but then you're also supposed to be like root, like excited when they defeat it, which you can kind of meld those things together, but it doesn't do a very good job of that at all. It's like polar opposite things butting up against each other with no like connective tissue. Yeah, not the way it's written for sure. Yeah, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty, pretty disappointing. Yeah, and then I just saw Megan. And uh, oh, I, yeah, I recommend going to see that in the theater. Yeah, I'll be seeing that this weekend for sure. And that's all I'll say about it. Yeah. Um, Maybe we'll talk about that uh, at a later date. That'd be great. Yeah, I've seen some things, too. Not as many things as you have. I've seen some weird stuff that like, I think anyone wants to watch. I watched this movie called uh, The Snake Girl and the Silver-Haired Witch, like this 1950s Japanese m- movie based on a, m- a manga and... It was a uh, okay. Manga means comic. Yes, it was okay. Um, I watched. You are you familiar with the challenge with uh, Scott Glenn and Toshiro Mifune? No. It's from 1982. It's directed by John Frankenheimer, and Scott Glenn plays an American who gets mixed up between two brothers fighting over ownership of a sword. It's fucking ridiculous. It's fun. It's, but it doesn't tip quite enough into the goofy, f- fun aspect to be like, oh, you got to see this one. This is so dumb. It just kind of is like dumb. Um, so not recommending that. Yeah, I felt the same way about Glass Onion. I was like, it was good. But uh, I wasn't as good as Knives Out. Um, but also, I didn't love Knives Out as much as most people did. I liked Knives Out a lot. I thought it was perfectly enjoyable, but I did not lose my shit over it. Two movies I think that stand out to me for different reasons that I've watched in the past couple of weeks is The Menu, which was really good and mi- very mismarketed, I think. It is marketed as a straight-up horror movie, and I wouldn't even really call it a horror movie. I mean, there's some horrific stuff that happens in it, but it's mostly a co- like a just like a dark comedy. And then I've, I, I got around to watching that Don't Worry Darling movie. Oh, why did you do that? Well, I was uh, mostly out of curiosity. Uh, a glutton for punishment. I certainly am. <laughs> Where it's because you know this thing is like there's all this like drama and controversy around the behind the scenes stuff, and it was like then like oh the movie sucks. And I was like, well, does the movie really suck this bad, or is it just getting hyped because there's all this like behind the scenes turmoil? And like, no, the movie sucks that bad. It's 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 really bad. Yeah, after seeing it, that trailer a handful of times in in different places, I was like, well, yeah. I've already seen the movie. It's, it, dude, it's even worse. It's yeah. so much worse. I mean, like, I'll say this. It's, like, a good-looking movie. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it's, like, it's like shot very well. The production design, costumes, all that's great. There's, like, no there's no complaints there. Um, it's not particularly boring. Like, it moves along at a, a pace fast enough that I wasn't, like, getting antsy to get up and leave. But it is so stupid so poorly paid, like not paced, uh, 
there's no build up to anything. It's like it's all just kind of like there right at the beginning, and it's a movie that you can tell that they like like they think it's really smart, but it's not at well, all. Well, and essentially, it's a it's a Hollywood actor doing a commentary on Hollywood culture. Not really. You don't think so? No. Did you watch it? No, I watched an explainer about oh, it like, okay. that just told me what it was in five minutes instead of having to watch the movie. And that's not. I wouldn't say that that's what it's about. I mean, I don't know if I want to give spoilers about it right now, but the big reveal is so stupid, and it's the reveal that's so that's like it's so stupid that you're like, oh, it can't be this, and then when it happens, like, oh, it was it was that. Oh okay. yeah, it's, it's almost it's almost Ready Player One. Yeah, but dumber. But yeah, that's it. Wow, what have you been doing with all your free time? I mean, I've watched other movies. Did Those you go are just outside? The... Yeah, I've been outside a lot. I've watched yeah, I've watched other movies. That was just the two that I felt like uh, mentioning the most. Oh, got it. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have read my entire list, but I want everyone to know how special and unique I am. That's true. <laughs> and what a better way to do it than with a list? See, that's what we should have done for this episode. Would done like a. Uh, a recap of our favorite and least favorite movies of 2022. Now, um, all the movies I watched were from different years. Well, I meant, yes, I understand. But, like, you did watch movies that came out in 2022, correct? Uh, kind of. Okay, well, you could have then you that would have kept the episode short. It would have been great. Yeah, it's been like a five minute episode. Yeah, not to do a list. Do you have a, a singular favorite movie or a top three movies of 2022? Or just something that you're like, hey, guys, maybe you didn't see this, but you really should. Oh, you know what's funny is I really liked that uh, All Things Must Pass, uh, the Tower Records documentary. Uh-huh. Which is pretty stupid to say that out loud, but... Yeah. I also... See, I also watched a lot of dumb movies. Like, I watched Caddyshack 2. I watched Tomcats. Oh, my God. Those um, aren't movies that came out in 2022, though. No, but I, that's what I watched. See, this is yeah. what, I'm, what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I watched Possession for the first time, which is now available on Shutter. I had to watch it on like some like weird archive website. But yeah, as far oh, as yeah. movies that actually came out in twenty twenty two, I mean, I think mostly Barbarian was probably my favorite. That is definitely a high point of the year for yeah. sure. Yeah, because other than that, I'm looking at... I mean, technically, the Cabinet of Curiosity episodes counted as movies because they're listed on here, so... Uh, I'd Do say, they count as movies? Or I mean, according to this goddamn application, okay, well, they're the listed individually it... on here. Pretty wild. I was excited to leave a rating for each of those and see how like, yeah. I ranked them at the end of the day. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so it's definitely... Yeah, everything else was probably, like, I, I enjoyed a lot of the movies that I watched, but nothing was, like, sort of a blow-away. It was really, it was the autopsy. If I, like, if we're if we're really, like, talking about it, the autopsy from Cabinet of Curiosities was, oh, was my favorite dozen. movie of the year. Oh, Holy shit. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what a ride that was. All right, well, there you go. That recaps uh, everything we've done. In 2022. That's the year in review. Um, what are we talking about today, Keith? Well, by the time you listen to this, there's a good chance it is Friday the 13th. And to the shock of no one, we're going to be weaving that into the theme of the episode. Initially, we had talked about watching a John Cusack movie. Yes. And you did watch that John Cusack movie. I did watch it. And then I was like, this movie's really bad. Why? Well, also, and... see, I thought it was going to be a good idea. I thought that was kind of a fun and interesting thing. And I thought John Cusack playing Edgar Allan Poe solving mysteries, won't that be a fun time at the movies? And it'll be like uh, From Hell or Sleepy Hollow or something like that, right? Yes. Well, you take one look at that The Raven trailer, and holy shit, that doesn't, it doesn't even look like a bad fun time at the movies. It no. looks like a snoozer. Well, so and what brought this idea on was I had just watched uh, a new movie called The Pale Blue Eye with Christian Bale. And it's about Christian Bale playing, is playing a detective trying to solve a series of occult murders and with the help of a young Edgar Allan Poe. 
So, and the plot of The Raven is Edgar Allan Poe, a detective solving a series of murders with Edgar Allan Poe. So it's essentially the same setup. And I thought it would be fun to kind of do a, a juxtaposition. Uh, but then I watched The Raven and I was like, oh, God, no, no, thanks. Yeah. I still think it might be fun if we if if you watched both of them to, to kind of do a like at a later date, maybe do a, a a talk about how they how they relate to each other. But um, yeah, I was just like, I don't know if I have enough juice to talk about the Raven after after watching that because it was uh, not great. Yeah, we'd really have to bring a lot to the table in order to sustain like energy and enthusiasm or just yeah. like rip it apart and yes you know we don't well, like to do that too we do that for sure like we're definitely critical of things but it's not not a lot of fun to just like just t- dive in there spend and... an hour talking about how much something sucks right and uh yeah so like the uh the pale blue eye is christian bale's trying to solve these murders they're happening at uh west point the the military academy which Edgar Allan Poe in real life attended West Point. And so he's a student there and he jumps in and starts helping the, the detective solve these uh, occult style murder, like occult uh, murders that seem to be tied to the occult. In The Raven, Edgar Allan Poe is helping a detective solve murders that are based on murders in Edgar Allan Poe short stories. So it's kind of the equivalent of a movie of. Uh, John Grisham was helping a detective solve uh, crimes that happened in John Grisham novels. Um, and it's not good. So there you go. That's why we didn't do that. So we're going to do a different movie. Yeah. Speaking of ripping something apart for an hour, we're here to talk about Freddy versus Jason, the seminal cultural event of the last 30 years. Two, Wait. two titans of horror collide. You're telling me that Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees went toe-to-toe in singular combat? Yeah, in the world's most expensive fan film. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you've just surmised the entire entirety of Freddy vs. Jason. We have no need to talk any further. So that's the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed 30 minutes of us listing movies that we've seen in our life and uh, three seconds of talking about Freddy vs. Jason. Feels great to be back. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Um, no, so this, but this is the movie. This was the long-awaited mashup. It's kind of a throwback in a sense, like, because you had those, like, Dracula meets the Wolfman type of movies, and Abbott and Costello, uh, uh, hang out with Frankenstein. I mean, that's what Robert Englund would, uh, like to have you believe, for sure. Yeah. That's when he, when he talks about it in interviews, that is his, his primary sort of stance on it. Is hey, this is just like those old monster movies. How did you feel? First off, are you more of a? It's Jason more like Voorhees? if Abbott and Costello dressed up as Freddy and Jason and were pretending to fight each other. I, well, I have you, a long history with this movie. I saw it in the theaters all yeah. the way back in 2003 when it came out, and just like everybody else, I remember Jason goes to hell when at the end, because it was a new line cinema movie, they had the Freddy hand come out of the ground and grab Jason's mask and pull it into the ground and have him cackle, you know, blowing the minds of every horror fan on the planet thinking we were going to get to Freddy versus Jason movie. Do you know that Jason goes to hell is the first uh, Friday the 13th movie I ever saw? That's such a wild place to start. Yeah. I love that though. I love when people talk about like what their entry into those sort of uh, franchises were, because for everybody it's different. And like if if it impacted you in a certain way, it might still be your favorite, despite being like an awful entry in the series. Yeah. Do uh now are you more of a Freddy Krueger guy or a Jason Voorhees guy? I don't know. I think ultimately I have I have more experience with Jason and I the the appeal of the hockey mask is yeah is sort of more in line with me and I I think I end up watching those movies a lot more in the summertime and everything but there's still a lot of 
I like a lot of the Nightmare on Elm Street sequels too. I like I think part two is one of the best. I love part four. That's my favorite in the series. Mm-hmm. Part three is obviously very good. I would also say like you can be like it, there's a difference between which character you like more because these guys kind of exist in their own reality now. Like they, you can like them as a character in a vacuum and which movies you like more too, because I definitely like Jason Voorhees as an entity unto himself more than I like the Friday, the 13th movies as a, as a series. Right. Um, So I think that's a, a legitimate angle that you can come at as well. I, as in terms of movies, I definitely like the, Nightmare on Elm Street movies significantly more than the Friday the 13th movie. Yeah, there's definitely a lot more to chew on, for sure. Yeah, I mean, particularly since if you think about it, like, you don't even... Jason Voorhees as the character we know him doesn't really come into existence until... The third movie. Sort of. The third movie. I would say, like, the fourth movie is the one that really cements him as the one we know. You know, obviously, the hockey mask is introduced in, in in three, but as we know... Jason Voorhees, that's that's number four. So that's four movies in before we even really get, like, this is who Jason is. Yeah, the fact that they succeeded in spite of that is truly baffling. It, absolutely, yeah. Like it, The fact that there was a sequel to the first one that was successful is baffling. Yeah. At most, you think that's, like, a two-movie deal. And I mean, they'll they'll tell you like on the you know there's plenty of great documentaries and interviews and things like that about the the series. But Sean Cumming, Cunningham will tell you like we didn't have a plans for a sequel. We didn't know what the hell we were gonna do. Yeah, it's a, it's such a contained story, you know. Yeah, it was it was over. The old lady gets decapitated, and that's it. Well, Freddy versus Jason is an interesting just concept because I mean the idea is fun, right? And it and it's something that can just come up in a conversation between two children. Right. right. Who but would win then, in a fight, Freddy or Jason? Yeah, exactly. Like, that's a very fundamental sort of proposition. But the actual development, I mean, took years and years. Oh, yeah. that That's the, the, the stories behind, like, the different steps and processes to go through is more interesting than the movie itself. And that in the meantime, we almost got Jason meets Cheech and Chong. Uh, which fuck I would I would have liked to have seen that movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think there were like twenty three, approximately twenty three different story treatments or or script ideas at one yeah. point with different writing teams and piggybacking off off of other ideas and just all kinds of nonsense. Oh, I mean the the fact, the fact that the only reason why Jason goes to space is because exists is because it was taking New Line so long to to approve a script that they, whoever owned the rights to Jason was just like, fine, I'm just going to make this thing in the meantime. Yeah. They had you know? to, in order to hold on to the rights. Uh, so you get that nonsense th- thrown in there. Um, I will, this is my main takeaway of, of Freddie versus Jason. It's much better than I expected it to be. That doesn't mean it's great, but it's much better than I expected. The, the reality of what you were given was the the writing team that eventually sort of won the the battle of story ideas. They did something very smart in that they did not reinvent anything, really. Mm -hmm. They were like, here's this guy over here. Here's this guy over here. We're going to just bring them together, and we're going to give you a little bit of that guy. We're going to give you a little bit of that guy. Here's some stuff from that series. Here's some stuff from this series. Right. And then at the end... No one really wins. Okay, so that's something I do want to comment about, which drives me nuts in movies like this. But I think this one's a little bit better overall in that regard. At this, if you think if you think about like this concept at this time in history and what the what horror movies were like in general around this time, the fact that these two characters have been like just like beat into the ground by this point of at this point. By no accounts should this movie even be remotely watchable, but it is. And yeah, your thing about like you just mentioned how no one, neither one of them, really is is really a winner at the end of the movie, which something that drives me nuts in these kind of like big titans crossover type stories, and that that that's always the case, you know, like uh, in the new Kong versus Godzilla movie. Yeah. 
like, oh, well, neither one of them can lose. So we'll have them fight and then team up at the end to beat a third villain, you know? And it's like, well, that's not what I came to see. I came to see one of them win. Yeah, nobody in wants this, their guy to lose. In this one, well, at least Freddy Cougar gets decapitated by Jason. You know? He winks at the end. His severed head winks at the end, so he's not really dead or anything. But at least he lost the fight. So there's there's a close... There's... There's, uh, and I'm not saying I wanted, I'm not, I wasn't necessarily rooting for either one of them. I'm just saying I'm glad that somebody at least sort of won in this movie. Rather no, they, than do the, a, they do the Rocky deal where uh, they go the distance and sort of knock each other out, right? Right. Yeah, it's, it's not, it's not like a complete, a complete draw or, uh, they team up because Michael Myers showed up and they're like, well, let's team up to fight Michael Myers. And that's the big surprise. You know? Yeah. And you know, technically they do the, the, the fans. I, I mean, ideally this would be the fans kind of victory because they should be rooting for the, the survivors, right? The, the, or the final girl character. Right. And, and so she technically is the one who decapitates uh, Freddie with Jason's machete in the, in similar fashion to the original Friday the 13th, right? Which is kind of a cool little nod. Uh, but imagine if in Rocky, uh, you know, Apollo and and Rocky sort of knock each other out and fall down, and then Van Damme gets in the ring and punches both of them in the balls. Right. That's es- yeah. essentially what's happened here. Yes, yeah, so it's not. Yeah, it's not like there's still some copying out in it, but whatever. It's be, it's better than those endings normally are in this type of thing. It's true, and th- I mean that's really what we're all building towards is like the final fight, right? But it, it's it's funny to me because in the opening seconds of the movie, there's like an opening like a sort of voiceover, and then uh, Jason's mother is talking. She literally says, she spoils it for us. You know, we know that there's not going to be a winner because she says, do you know what your gift is, Jason? You can never die. Yeah. Well, okay. That's it. I guess Jason's not losing, right? Right. And if Freddy's a dream guy, whatever he is, uh, how can he possibly lose too? He, I guess he could die in the real world, but then he's just going back to dreams, right? Well, I mean, that's the thing, though. You don't necessarily have to die to lose. Right, so it's like I think that's I think that's exactly the what what does it mean to lose right. in this scenario? And I will will go ahead and just say that being forced to watch this movie is is arguably the losing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I it's weird because I like I said I saw this when it originally came back. It came out back in two thousand three. Right, and it was so much fun to watch in the theater. With yeah, a huge rowdy crowd of people just yelling and hooting and hollering at the screen, and like we're all cracking up and cheering every time someone dies, and it's, it was so much fun. And I, I as soon as it came out on DVD, I bought the DVD, and I showed it to people, and it had a good time. I watched it so many times over the years, and had so much fun. But this far removed, and as many times as I've seen it now. There's nothing terribly interesting or exciting or sort of mesmerizing that captures your imagination in any real way. And it's just kind of a, it's just kind of there. Agreed. And like I'm saying, that's why I'm saying like my main takeaway is like this movie is better than I thought it was going to be because I I saw it. Yeah. I don't think I saw it in the theater, but I saw it like shortly after it came out on video, whatever in that it was in the time in which it was released and I was like, oh, this isn't completely terrible. I kind of had fun watching this. And it certainly helps that you have, like, the, it's directed by Ronnie Yu, who's a vis- like a, a guy who's very talented with visuals, you know. So there's some there's some fun stuff to look at. And other times the movie looks really dumb and yeah, dull. Yeah, it's, it's uh, wild how, how the gap between the good stuff and the bad stuff is. Like, it's you, you can sort of tell, like, oh, Ronnie was directing this stuff and then they got the whoever the, the second, second unit. unit director was was working on this shit <laughs> well also though i mean like if you look at his career he has a very like interesting filmography and he's a director from hong kong you know which from in the time in which he came up the directors of that era were just like cranking out films and like 
it was as much of a job as anything else. Like, oh, I'm going to make these three movies, you know, because it's my job. And then I'm going to make this movie that I want to make. And that's where I'm going to put all my effort and, and whatnot yeah. into it. And that's kind of what his like filmography is. If you look at his stuff in the 80s, it's a lot of that. And then he has his first like big, not just big hit in China, but like internationally acclaimed film, which is The Bride with White Hair, right? And then like right after that, he starts going to make some American movies the way, you know, directors often, you know, foreign directors often do. They have a big hit and they come over and make a few American movies and make some cash and then stop doing that. He makes Warriors with a Virtue, which is that hopping like kangaroo kung fu movie. He makes Bride with Chucky, Formula 51, and then he makes Freddy vs. Jason. Then he goes back to Hong Kong and makes Fearless, speaking of Jet Li, which is considered one of Jet Li's best movies. That movie's awesome. I mean, I don't really think he probably took the job for Freddy versus Jason out out of uh, some sort of passion to do so, but he doesn't completely phone it in either, you know. No, not at all. And that's a great point. Is and and that, I mean, I think that works in his favor somehow. But he has no affinity for the material on either side, and so he's able to just kind of like give you what's there uh, from yeah. the, from the screenplay. And it's also very obvious that, like, probably when he when he when he signed on as director, there was probably a checklist of boxes that he had to hit. You know, and he's like, the studio's like, we want this, we want this, we want this, we want. I you brought up like then like the new metal soundtrack of the one. Some of that shits in stuff like that's in Freddy versus Jason too, and that was, I guarantee, studio mandate of like, oh, we want this song in there because it's popular right now. XYZ. Oh, definitely. And, and it's, uh, the the unfortunate part of that is it doesn't add anything to it's not done in any sort of like beneficial way. And so it doesn't you know, really add any sort of like I mean maybe it, during the time it did. Uh I remember chuckling at it, but at this point it doesn't it doesn't hit in the same way that it does in the one. This is literally why that song or one of those songs were in Freddy versus Jason and other movies like that in this era is because you could now create a, a soundtrack CD that some 13 year old kid who saw Freddy versus Jason would be like, Oh, that song by, you know, Nickelback was on there. I'm going to go buy the soundtrack CD because that one song's on there. And then I'm going to listen to the other songs. That's why. Oh yeah. That's, definitely. that's, that's the only reason why. Yeah. So obviously those types of things are mandates and he just shows up and he could have, phoned it in much more than he did, but there's still, you know, moments where he's all like, oh, this is kind of fun. I'll, 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 th- I'll throw this in there and uh, I'll do something g- goofy here and, and whatnot. We've done enough shitting on it for the moment. What were some of the yeah. things that stood out to you that you thought were done exceptionally well? Hmm. That's a great question. If, if anything. Uh, I really like that scene where it's like Freddy's shadow in the street. What? <laughs> what? I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm pulling it, I'm pulling it straws here. I don't really like this movie. Uh, <laughs> okay, great. Well, then I will. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? I'm, that's easily one of the worst effects that they have. Oh, no, it's a terrible effect. I guess conceptually, I think it's a. Uh, an all right idea. You and know? I, you know, what's funny is I hadn't seen this on in an updated format, like like a Blu-ray quality. And yeah. like watching some of the effects in like with the Blu-ray quality is, oh my god, they look like garbage. Just so, yeah. mostly the CGI stuff. Oh yeah, or like the part where like stuff. it's like Freddy. He's like he's what is he like a worm or something? He's smoking a bomb. Oh man, it looks so bad. Yeah, it's terrible absolutely terrible honestly like i was trying yeah i was trying to be devil's advocate a a little bit and be like oh this movie isn't as bad as i thought it would be which it's not but i think it's i still think it's pretty bad it's pretty (laughs) not good and uh i it's it might be it might be my least favorite movie that freddy cougar is in it's not necessarily I don't know. At this point, Freddy's Dead looks pretty good by comparison. And actually, Freddy's Dead, it, despite being like, you know, you could talk about it being cartoony and silly, it is kind of. It's, it's, it started to get pretty clever and sort of almost into, it was sort of dipping its toes into kind of meta stuff. 
Yeah. I mean, at least Freddy's Dead has still has some, like, weird, cool visuals. Yeah, definitely. And uh, it's, I mean, it's, I think it more delivers on the promise of what it is. You know, or just like, of like, hey, this is the movie where Freddy Krueger finally dies. You know? Yeah, you get what uh, you, you get, get what, what you, it says on the, the... yeah that you you bought the ticket and then and then that's what happened you know I mean yeah. like it's it's definitely the it's definitely the worst in the original series but I don't know you know it's not it's it's I still kind of like it more than Freddy versus Jason yeah it, you know the, even just the basic premise of Freddy versus Jason is kind of weird because the the idea is that Freddy has been sort of eradicated from the minds of children via almost like a a psychological quarantine which that yeah. part is kind of interesting giving giving dream suppression drugs to the kids which i think that is a that's still a an idea from uh dream warriors right that idea of freddy being removed from the fear of children is taken from so the original and i don't know if it was the original freddy dead freddy's dead i don't know if it was freddy was supposed to die in this one as well but the follow-up to the dream child the original script was actually written by peter jackson and the premise of that was like that kids weren't afraid of freddy anymore and they'd even take like sleeping pills to go to sleep Oh yeah, and they pull him into their dreams and like prank him and beat him. And they up did, and yeah. Stuff. They, he's like he was like depicted like he could because he wasn't feeding off their fear. He was like kind of depicted as an old decrepit man, and they were just like they would just go into the dreams and fuck with him and like knock his cane out of his hand and like kick him in the gut and whatnot. And then it's the the premise obviously is somehow he regains his fear power and goes around killing children. But that and that wasn't you. They never made that movie obviously, but that little snippet of of it of just kids not being afraid of Freddy anymore is carried over 15 years later into uh, uh, Freddy versus Jason, which fuck, I would have much rather have seen that Peter Jackson script than the Freddy's dead or Freddy versus Jason. <laughs> I mean, obviously hindsight, whatever, like, Oh, that would have been so cool. You never know. Yeah. Obviously. Maybe it would have been the worst. We would have been like, who, who authorized that? That's insane. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so they they essentially quarantine Freddy, and they you know they're suppressing dreams with this this drug hypnosil, and uh, everything's good. Yeah. And so Freddy cooks up this uh, wacky plan. He's like, "Oh, I'm going to find someone to make people afraid again, and they'll just pin it on me because you know people are dumb." Right. Even though this guy looks different. Uh, acts different and the manner in which he kills people is completely different and Mm -hmm. also the way that people will be sort of processing their fear and recounting their stories will also be different so it's kind of a flawed plan from the start freddy's not not the brightest bulb here well it's a flawed plan from the start when they decide to take these two characters from separate franchises and combine them together in a ludicrous uh idea like the problem with these types of movies is that there's only one way where they even have the slightest potential to be good. And that is if the filmmakers make them realize that what a stupid idea it is and make some sort of satirical comedy out of it. Right. But then the problem with that comes is that the studio is going to be like, well, wait, that's not our property. Our property is scary. We got to make something scary for the kids you know, so it ends. So both ideas end up getting diluted, and you end up with something that satisfies nothing. It doesn't satisfy comedy. It doesn't satisfy fear. It doesn't satisfy action. It's just you get the worst of all worlds. You're definitely onto something. And these characters represent an extreme in their respective worlds, right? Right. They're a totally absurd, insane concept, right? In in the Friday the 13th world, Jason Voorhees is an unstoppable killing machine. No one will, knows why he won't die, and he just keeps coming back and killing, and that's it, right? But there's no other entity like that. And then the same with Freddy. There's a, a, a child killer who comes back and invades your dreams in some kind of a magical way. But there's no one else like that. And as soon as you bring them together, 
all of the sudden, everything is way less interesting. Right. Unfortunately. And so you'd have to take things like much more into a much more outrageous place in order to make it interesting again. But instead you have like, like immediately you show Freddy and he's like, he's like, oh, well, I can't hurt anybody yet. And then Jason, when he shows up, he just sort of wakes up and goes to Springwood and just sort of wanders around. We never see him. He just pops up and starts killing people when it's convenient. Right. But otherwise, he's not really doing anything. And he's just kind of useless. It's also interesting, too, that, like, this is, in this scenario, this is a world, a cinematic world where both Freddy and Jason exist in in the reality of, of this world. And somehow and... no one has heard of either of them. Exactly. exactly. Which is so absurd. This is something we've never seen before. Right. Exactly. This world where both of these guys have been around for a long time, for at least, I mean, when does this movie come out? That movie been around for at least 30 years ish no not that wouldn't have been that long at that time 20 years but no one's but no one's seemingly aware of, of them yeah at the very minimum people would have heard of jason Voorhees, like a very famous right. like mass serial killer right exactly right you can you could argue that maybe people don't know about uh freddie in this town at least because of he only invades your dreams. He's not a physical being. You can't film him on the news. Right, exactly. He was never sort of uh, tried and convicted and what have you. So there's no... Yeah, and then they also, like, they black out all the records, right? They they fuck with the newspapers and mm-hmm. and all that. There's actually a scene addressing that. So, okay, we can buy that. But, yeah, Jason, that would have not been a revelation to anyone because we've all heard of, uh, at, at the very least, like a Charles Manson or someone like that, right? Once again, this that's why, again, this movie only would work if it leans into the fact that it's stupid, you know, rather than trying to still make a genuinely scary movie that has comedy gags in it. It kind of does lean into it because one of Kelly Rowland's first lines is is literally like, y'all, this is so stupid. Is this really what we're doing for the next... Uh, is, is this really what we're doing all night or something like that? And I was like, wow, is she talking about the movie? <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, I think you might be giving it a little bit too much credit there. No, it's just so circumstantial. Absolutely. I mean, yes, it does lean into its ridiculousness a little bit. I'm saying it needs to, need to re- lean into it a whole lot more. Well, no, I would I would have loved it a lot more too if they would have shown me some interesting things instead of just using exposition to tell me. Like right. literally Freddy is like, I had to search the bowels of hell to find someone to do my dirty work for me or something like that. Can I right. see that? How how about I see that instead of just like Freddy talking into the camera and get, seeing clips from previous movies. Right. Or having like him having characters constantly talk about how Freddy is not strong enough and needs Jason to kill for him. They they yeah. reiterate that plot point about six different times. Yeah, and it's just like okay, like can you just show me some some good stuff there? Because there aren't that many kills. No, in this movie, which is you know if if you're trying to deliver something to the fans, like what they want is like interesting creative kills, and you don't really get too much of that. Mm-mm. I mean, there's like yeah, like what I what stands out is like the being folded up in the bed. Yeah, and, the bed is brilliant. Yeah, absolutely, but that's about it's it. Tremendous, but yeah, aside from and then that, I guess the cornfield massacre. But I mean, like it's not right, good. It's not good. On paper, know? it was probably good, but in execution, yeah. it was just it was pretty lame. I think the approach to this should have been like, okay, we're gonna make Abbott and Costello meet the Wolfman, like as I mentioned earlier, but we're going to make one of those movies, but it's, but it's going to be good. Here's what I did. Like, I liked the, the boys being locked up in an institution and their story of escaping and accidentally sort of letting the genie out of the bottle by scaring everyone with their, their stories and things like that. I thought that Mm -hmm. was interesting I would have much rather seen like the through line plot be follow them from getting institutionalized to, you know, escaping and then, you know, 
things like that because i thought that was kind of interesting and i think that's you know to their credit like we can have all the complaints we want about it but i think the 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 actual merit of the the story is the fact that it it is like the lunchable version of each each franchise and you sort Uh of put them together and you've got this like half-ass supermarket charcuterie plate right you're like oh you got you got the the some stuff from that series, some stuff from that series, and then you put them together, and it uh, it works just well enough that uh, it's passable. I mean, I, even the fact that it got uh, the the fact that it even got made is still kind of a miracle, and that's really like what I guess now where crossovers and shared universes and things like that are so much more commonplace. Mm-hmm. That's that's really, I guess, like the the thing that diminishes it the most. Yeah, but those crossovers, though, I think are a little different because it's taking, it's t- making movie versions of things that kind of already exist together in another f- format. You know, like the Marvel movies having a shared universe cinematically is unique to superhero, or when it came out was unique to superhero movies, but it wasn't really unique to those characters. You know. Uh, the, cro- the kind of crossovers that we were getting in the late 90s, early 2000s were like, let's take characters from completely different franchises and shove them together. Let's put Freddy and Jason together. Let's put Alien and Predator, to- Predator together. You know, that is something that I that is much more unique to that era. And I'm glad is over. One of those that I look back from that era period of time that I do remember fondly is there was a there was a crossover between like Punisher and like Archie Comics. Oh yeah, where P- the Punisher goes to Riverdale and stuff, and that was because it did exactly what I'm talking about. It was like, of course, this idea is ludicrous. Like these the, these two things do not go together whatsoever. Let's play to that rather than try and make something serious and try and please everybody. The excitement is in finding out how that's going to work. Once you find out how Freddy versus Jason works, it's like, eh, okay. Yeah. And then once you get to the actual showdown, it's uh, surprisingly not interesting. And it's funny because contrast is usually something that works, but I think here it doesn't because just the contrast in the way they kill and fight. I mean, Freddy has powers, at least, in the dream world, which is interesting. But Jason, whether he's in the dream world or in reality, he's just a guy with a machete. Yeah. And he's very good at sneaking up on people in the dark and doing wacky things to their their bodies. But when he's just fighting someone one-on-one, it's like just not terribly interesting to look at. Well, we've also seen, though, Freddy Krueger brought into the real world and... In the first Nightmare on Elm Street movie, and what we know about that is he's just really clumsy, and he's not just very a guy. Good at th- he's just a guy. He's not very good at things, and he falls over a lot and gets hit in the head. Uh, it's it's very he's very similar to the 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 wet bandits from Home Alone. You know, he has kind of that level of of skill. <laughs> so, I mean, in that scenario, it, that would also be a no brainer. You know, that if. If Freddy's in in Jason's world, Jason wins. Jason's in Freddy Freddy's world, Jason Freddy wins. Blah blah blah. Forever. Actually, that would be an Back interesting crossover: is Freddy versus Kevin from Home Alone. I would pay to see that movie because you That's you get that. a glimpse of something like that in the first Nightmare on Elm Street, right? Because uh, what's the, what's the girl's name? Uh, it's a Nancy. Yeah, Nancy reads that book on guerrilla warfare like making yeah. like tr- like traps and explosive devices and whatever and she sets those traps up in her house i mean for, it's for literally Freddie it, comes into the real no world. it literally is the same ending yeah. you know and it's and it's honestly equally as comical just one is going for laughs and one is like whoops that was that wasn't that was funnier than we meant it to be yeah i think she even has she doesn't she have like a a little map or like a battle plan just like Kevin I, oh man i I think so, but I don't think it's like as elaborate as as Kevin's. You know, she didn't I think use as many crayons. Yeah, exactly. It's not like this full tabletop. Is there a, a team up, a mashup you would have preferred to have seen? You know, you know, it's fun to talk about those, but I don't. I think in reality, like I remember uh, Candyman versus Pinhead. No, absolutely not. Was yeah. one thrown around? Well, that's the thing. Is like, what are they gonna do? Right. 
Like the whole t- the whole deal with Candyman and the whole deal with Pinhead, like there's no reason for them to come together and fight. Like their whole deal yeah. is like with people, right? Yeah, there's yeah there, the only the only way the reason that they would fight is if they were in competition for victims somehow. Uh, yeah, but even then it would be like. Um, uh, they would be competing, but it would still be like who can out charm or outsmart these people, not each other, right? Right? They, it right. would not be a direct conflict. No, yeah. And it would just if it if that did happen, it would just boil down to like Candyman flying around trying to whack Pinhead with a hook, and then you know Pinhead trying to get Candyman with his chains and stuff. And I don't know, like that's just not. It would be. It would be stupid. Yeah. Or even, I mean, I mean, I watched a fan film of, it was Michael Myers versus Jason. Good on these people who put this together. I forget the name of it. It was probably like Revengeance or Rising or Resurrection yeah. or something. I don't I don't know if they do that ironically because they think it's funny. But for I some reason, so. all these fan films have these stupid titles. But anyways, it was like... Um, Michael Myers was getting transported somewhere by the FBI and he escapes and then he walks into the forest and as he's walking through the forest, he just sort of runs into Jason Voorhees and then they start fighting and it's like all these like goofy, like Dutch tilt angles and they're doing like choreographed fighting, which is something that you've never really seen from either of those characters in any... And so it, it not only does it not make sense, it's totally like contrived, and then it's just a bunch of like nonsense. Like you, it doesn't matter that it's these characters because they're not doing anything uh, characteristic of their personas. They're just doing fighting moves, and, right? And then stabbing each other. It was just total nonsense. It would make more sense like they did that movie where it was the ghost characters from like The Ring and maybe The Grudge. Oh, The Grudge. Did you see that? No, I did not. That's actually funny you brought that because I was not even aware that that thing existed until like a week ago. A couple of ghosts fighting? You can yeah. do anything you want with that. That's perfect. Candyman and Pinhead and Freddy Cougar, these characters are also so unique to themselves, not in necessarily motivations or uh, the fact that they're just killing people, but in like design and abilities and outward presentation you know what about puppet master versus demonic toys yeah i'm sure that would be fine no that exists oh it does yeah okay i I haven't seen any of those movies i like the second puppet master movie it's kind of fun but yeah ultimately reanimator versus uh do you really want the two like main villains facing off or would it be more interesting if it was like uh ooh what about mad max versus the wraith sure why not <laughs> this is we're flying into complete lunacy or or robocop versus i mean robocop versus terminator is a thing in comic books in the comic books that's yeah. very cool in the comic books uh probably wouldn't work as a movie no but uh wouldn't we would want robocop to be like uh i don't know like robocop versus like lethal weapon or robocop versus hudson hawk i really hope this whole thing this whole like 30 minute conversation is just edited down into like this list of like what about how about these guys what about well no i'm sure but i'm trying to be conceptual here because you would want to put robocop against either uh someone in law enforcement who does things differently that draws them into conflict or against like a super criminal yeah, but here's once again though it, you keep you keep falling into this realm with these these characters here are so high concept into themselves, they exist solely within their world. That's why like the the RoboCop Terminator concept wouldn't really work, you know, in a movie. Um, but do you think RoboCop Two didn't work? Because that's essentially a versus movie. Well, sure, but the but the, it, the bad guy a, is just. Uh, and you could venture to say that the bad guy is essentially a Terminator in some respects, but it's not taking this character, this pre-existing character that comes from one world that has motivations or operations, designs, and, and directives based on that world and supplanting them into a completely different hypothetical 
environment where now he doesn't make sense anymore. Right. Like you Robocop know? versus Lawnmower Man. But Dracula versus Goodfellas, that wouldn't work. I would 100% watch that movie. Were you kidding me? Yeah, they see they're always eating garlic. That's why. And it's like yeah, and I'm not and I'm not talking about like the the like video on demand like two two dollar version. Of that. I would watch the high budget Goodfellas versus Dracula. Yeah, has the prestige Robert Scorsese. One hundred percent. Do you know how often I I I just wish like that like some guy like Scorsese or Spielberg or fucking Paul Thomas Anderson was just like, you know what? I'm going to use my clout to make one of these fucking movies like that. And I'm going to go all in, you know, I'm going to treat, I'm going to, I'm going to take the most ludicrous idea and just com- completely commit to it, you know, or if you'd had a movie that was like, like that, 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 that the first half of the movie was completely normal. And then just partway through, like uh, one of the good fellas gets uh, the hunchback of Notre Dame as their roommate in college, and that's what the movie becomes halfway through, and it just completely does a one eighty. But they don't market that at all. You're just watching it, and all of a sudden, bam, that happens. That's pretty funny. If I was if I was rich, that is one hundred percent what I would spend my money on. It's just multi million dollar pranks on the movie going audience. <laughs> <laughs> You know what's funny though is Dracula versus Goodfellas does exist. Yeah, but it's like, but but it's like what I'm saying. It's like some super cheap direct to video type of thing, right? I don't think but, no. Innocent Blood starring Robert Loggia. Oh, okay, that's true. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it was a straight to video, but yeah, that uh, that essentially what I'm describing. <laughs> right. I'm just saying if we t- we have it'll it, that yeah, and that movie's that movie's a lot of fun. It's not like perfect. No, it's not half bad. Yeah, it's a good movie. I'm saying if we take literally those, it's a it's it's a, just a straight up sequel to Goodfellas, you know, where like Ray Liotta is like all sad that Joe Pesci and all those guys are dead, so he like has them resurrected as vampires. Give me that. <laughs> I guess that's never gonna happen now though, because Ray Liotta is dead. So, R.I.P. Or does that make it more likely? Probably that he would be raised from the dead. Well, he is. He's in a movie called Cocaine Bear coming out. So yeah, that's true. There you go. Yeah, well, if, that, if that movie can get made, uh, you know, the sky's the limit. Still, yeah. I don't know. Do you have anything else to say or add to Freddy versus Jason? Uh, yeah, I hope that you have. Whoever's listening has seen Freddy versus Jason, and because we didn't talk about really the story or the plot or any specific scenes, really, that was. A super vague and pretty loosey goosey. So, uh, my apologies for <laughs> a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's worth seeing once in your life. Uh, who knows? You know, if you're seeing it for the first time, you'll probably think we're complete morons. But like I yeah. said, I've seen it so many times now at this point that it's just, it looks like a Super Bowl commercial. Mm hmm. <laughs> like I'm waiting for for Freddy to like pull out a bag of Doritos or like some Pringles or something and then wink at the camera. I mean, like you're not wrong. That's kind of what it feels like. Well, I am glad that it got made. Honestly, sure. like uh I think the first the first inkling of that being a thing started in 1987 and we got a movie in 2003. So, that's a credit to you know, all the people who work in movies that uh, just won't let certain ideas die. Yeah. Good for you. And you know, it does finally put to rest any, like, what ifs. Like, this is what if, and it's not great. So there you go, guys. Hope you're happy. Yeah, and also, I mean, it's uh, it's crazy because I'm, I'm definitely one of those people who I'll talk about stupid Friday the 13th and A Nightmare on Elm Street, like, rankings and my favorites and all that, like, Till the cows come home, so yeah, I get it. We we say these things aren't timeless, but for some reason we just can't let the past go. So, what does it all mean, Elliot? I don't know. Happy Friday the thirteenth. If you're listening to this, uh, it's your unluckiest day of the year. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess that wraps it up for Freddy versus Jason. 
Um, we're going to get out of here. Thanks, guys, for listening. Uh, it's good to be back. Yeah, thanks Thank for you. everybody who picked up merch from our brand new merch store. If you want to grab a T-shirt and support the show and try and pull us out of debt, go over there and pick something up. We got a link tree. Yeah. It's, so it's all on to... the internet. Go to Instagram, mm-hmm. at Trash Heap Pod. We have free stickers right now, so send us a message, and we'll mail you some free stickers. Absolutely. Keep doing the show until you guys tell us to stop. So thanks for the support. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, so that wraps it up. And, Keith, what do you always say? Welcome to my world, bitch. And until next time, the dumpster is closed. Everybody go back to doing what you were doing.